So it's Monday morning, little Janie's gone to school, okay? Uh, she's in school, it's like drawing picture time, she's got the pencil and paper. Uh, and the teacher's going around and talking to the other kids, and uh, so she goes over to see Mikey. Hey, Mikey, what's that you're drawing? That's my dad's car. Oh, very, very good picture, Mikey. And she goes over to another kid. Hey, Sarah, what's that you're drawing? Oh, we went to the zoo on the weekend, and that's the lion I saw. Oh, that's a really, really good picture. Then uh, the teacher comes back to Janie. Puzzled look on her face. She's like, Janie, what is that you're drawing? Janie says, that's God, teacher. The teacher says, but nobody knows what God looks like. Janie replies, well, they will in a minute. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> talking of kids, um, when I was a kid growing up in England, like most young boys, I wanted to be a professional football player. <laughs> I think in Indonesia now as well, actually, probably most young boys want to be professional football players if possible. And uh, I always rem remember my mom telling me, quite brutally, honestly, actually, considering I was like only about this big, that that was really not going to be easy. But it wouldn't be impossible, she said. But there would be many things that I would have to do. She told me I would have to practice a lot. A lot, she says. She told me I would have to be very disciplined. She told me there would be things that I would have to give up, especially things like going out to play with my friends. Um, and also, I'd have to give up being lazy. That one was quite tough. You know, I mean, can you imagine? I'm like six years old at this time, and she's telling me all this stuff. It's like, whoa. She also told me that I would really have to pay attention to my coach and to do whatever he said. I wouldn't be able to do whatever I wanted to do, but I would have to follow my coach's rules. So in essence, my mother was telling me what it would really take to become a professional football player. And trust me, there was, like, there was nothing held back in this conversation, even though I'm like six. Yet amazingly, though I was so young, uh, this didn't put me off. I'm still not quite sure how when I play it back in my head. But I continued my quest. And actually, I did quite well. I, I became quite a good football player. Um, but eventually, in my later teens, yeah, the, the temptations of the world started to, to get the better of me. Uh, things like, well, I'm sure you all know the temptations that most teenage boys fall to <laughs> within the world, right? I'm sure I don't need to spell them out. Uh, and doing, I wanted to do what I wanted instead of listening to my coaches. And so, of course, not surprisingly, my pursuit of professional football came to an end. And when I first read the passage that I want to look at with you guys today, it reminded me very, very much of this time in my life and how the message was very similar. Except that this time, the message comes from Jesus, not my mom. Um, and the message is about what it really, really takes, in Christ's own words, to come after him, to follow him, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And this passage we can find in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. You might ask, why this passage? What is the importance of this particular passage? Well, 
it's been described as one of the crown jewels of Jesus' teaching and is regarded as one of the most important teachings, actually, that he gives. If you've ever asked yourself this question, what is it like to live as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God? If you've ever asked yourselves that, which you probably have, then this is the passage for you to turn to and read, and read again, and probably read again. Why? Because it's where Jesus himself explains to us how to follow him and how to receive the eternal gift that we receive from it. So here's the passage. I think it's coming on the screen. Uh, let me just read it for you. It says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So what I want to do today is I just want to take us through the main elements of this passage uh, for us to understand the teaching that is given here. But let's backtrack just a little bit because uh, it's vital, I think, that we know the context of this passage, where it comes and what's just happened. So I just want to quickly look at Mark 8, verse 29. So just back a few verses, yeah? Which says, And he, being Jesus, asked them, the disciples, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. So this is where the disciples have finally figured it out. It's finally revealed to them that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah that they have been waiting for. And then we very quickly see a lesson from Jesus in, uh, in verse 33b, rebuking Peter and telling him, yeah, so that's also telling us uh, that we must set our minds on the things of God, not on the things of man. All right, let's jump into the passage. We can look at this passage as an invitation. It's an invitation from Jesus himself to all of us. Some would say it is an undeserved yet gracious invitation. But it is a difficult invitation to accept. And as we'll see as we move through the passage, it may turn out to be an invitation with harsh results if we don't accept it. So I'm going to break it down into what I hope are three clear parts today. Firstly, the invitation. Secondly, what it takes to accept the invitation. And thirdly, the gift or reward or outcome of earnestly taking up this invitation from him, okay? So first, the invitation. Verse 34b says, if anyone would come after me. This is the invitation. And I really like this. I really like that Jesus says here, anyone. Just one word. We use it a lot in English. But the meaning and what it tells us here is awesome. He says, anyone, so that we know, 
It includes you and me and all imperfect sinners who wish to follow him. He doesn't discriminate. He is the Messiah for all of us, not just a particular section or sections of society. He is the Messiah for all of us. So when Jesus says, come after me, this is the same as if he's saying, follow me. Follow me. He is giving us the option, the amazing opportunity to be his disciple. So how do we accept this invitation? Well, in verse 34, Jesus tells us what it is we have to do to accept this invitation and become his follower. And this is actually, this is really the principle of this passage. Uh, it says we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. So let's just have a quick look at these separately. So firstly, to deny ourselves. This means that we must live our life in self-denial. Okay, great, David. What does that mean? We got to live our life in self-denial. I, I, I'm still not really clear. Well, <laughs> you may not like what this means, to be honest, but here it is. I've used the God's Word translation for this particular verse. Um, the God's Word translation, it says it like this. Those who want to follow me must say no to the things they want. Those who want to follow me must say no to the things that they want. Yeah, ouch, right? That's a bit of a ooh, ouchy one, I must admit. But yes, this is basically what Jesus is saying here. Uh, if we go back to the original Greek language, for those of you that like, like to do that, if we look at the word for to deny, we find that it is, of course, very difficult to, uh, to, to say. Um, but we find that it is aparniomahi, uh, and it is defined like this, to forget oneself, lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. But I want you to understand, uh, Jesus doesn't mean to deny ourselves something here. He doesn't mean, for example, uh, go without a roof above your head. He doesn't mean, for example, go without food on the table. Yeah? But he means stop making yourself the object of your life and actions. He means that God, not ourself, must be the center of our life. So this means that you have no more associations with your own self-will, your own agendas, your own plans. It means you are instead living completely in adherence to God's will. In essence, following what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. I know many of you pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And in there, you say, thy will be done. And when we follow Jesus, we take on his goals, we take on his ambitions, his desires. One of my favorite pastors that I like to listen to uh, is a pastor by the name of Bill Mounts from the States. And he says this, we don't live a life independent from him. We follow him 
and try to do his will. So that's deny himself. The second part was take up our cross. And in the parallel chapter in uh, Luke 9, verse 23, Luke adds, take up his cross daily. And this is showing us that this lifestyle of self-denial is something that we are to take up on a daily basis. Daily basis. This is not a when-we-feel-like-it lifestyle. It's not a when-we-feel-like-it, when it feels right to us, good to us, woke up, yeah, I think I'll live that lifestyle today. Wake up tomorrow, yeah, no, I think I'm going to go my own way today. This is a daily lifestyle. It is living out the fact that you and I are no longer central to your life. You are no longer the central character in your life. Uh, in, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And as a disciple of Christ, this applies to us too. So taking up your cross daily means that we are daily living out this fact, that we have died to ourself and we now live for Christ. You'll notice in this passage that Jesus refers to the cross here. And uh, of course, at this time, he had not yet been crucified. So the disciples didn't know that Jesus was referring to the fact that he would die on a cross. But the imagery was not lost on them. Um, because in this time, it was very well known that under the rule of the Romans, um, Everyone understood the symbol of the cross. They understood that it meant death, as this was the main method of execution and used by the Roman authorities at this time. So the use of the cross further emphasizes the death-to-yourself point here. Thirdly, he says, follow me. So we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow me. So notice the sequence here, yeah? It's important. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and then follow me. Not the other way around. It's not a mix and match as you please. It's deny yourself, take up your cross, and then follow me. So we have to do the first, the, the first two things and then follow Jesus. That's the sequence. And one interpretation of following is, is to imitate someone, right? To do the same things as someone. And for me, that's, that's really what I believe that Jesus is saying here. Simply that if we want to be one of his disciples, we must imitate him. We must copy his life. We must live to serve others. And I've picked out three verses that I feel uh, epitomize what that means. Firstly, uh, from Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Secondly, we must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. And thirdly, love your neighbor as yourself, uh, from Mark chapter 12. So, discipleship means following in the same path and actually even being prepared to share in the same fate 
That's what it means when he says, follow me. All right, let's move on to the gift, because uh, <laughs> I feel this message has sounded a bit um, doomy, gloomy, uh, pretty tough, pretty harsh so far. Uh, we've been looking at how to follow Jesus. We have to deny ourselves, stop living for ourselves, forget our own agendas, plans, maybe even endure suffering and persecution instead of the lovely things in life like comfort and safety and honor. And, we ha and how this has to be our daily lifestyle, not just how we are occasionally, but on a daily basis. But, phew, there's a but, right? But, and this is where it gets really interesting for me. All right, I have a question for you. What do we know about God? We know that God is good, right? Well, let's, let's try this side. Okay, I got a question for this side. So, what do we know about God? By the way, the answer is yes. By the way, <laughs> So what do we know about God? We know that God is good, right? Let's see. Let's try this side. So guys, this side. What do we know about God? We know God is good, right? Ah, there we go. We have a winner. Sorry. Sorry, this side. This side wins. So. But yes, we know that God is good. And as we move into the second part of the passage we see the goodness of God being revealed. In verse 35, Jesus explains to us, whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Now, I've got to admit, this verse can be actually quite confusing at first. I remember when I first read it, I was like, what? What does that mean? For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it? Save it, but lose it? Lose it, but save it? Huh? Are you confused? I was. Seriously, it sounds strange, right? But now that we understand what comes before, we can see it. If you attempt to save your life, if you refuse to follow, if you live by my will be done, if you are not a fully committed follower of Christ, then you're going to lose your life, meaning your eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. But... Another but. If you choose to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him, then at the final judgment, you will save your life. This means that you will receive what God promises in John 3.16, that we will not perish, but have eternal life. In verses 36 and 37, Jesus asks two questions through which he's making his point. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So here we learn the invaluable lesson from Jesus that our soul is the most important and valuable thing in our life. There is nothing that we can give to God in return for it. And so, gaining the whole world, storing up all the treasures on earth, accumulating 
and hoarding possessions here on earth is ultimately useless to us if we forfeited, if we gave up our soul, if we have chosen not to be a disciple of Jesus, not to deny ourselves and follow him. Now, there are many people in the world who think that the more nice things they have, the happier they will be. I should know. I used to think exactly like that. But I realized and I learned that that thinking was, quite frankly, delusional. I wasn't really happy from those things at all. Maybe 20 minutes, 10 minutes, make a new purchase. Ah, oh, this is nice and shiny. Yeah, 10 minutes later, bored of that, forgotten about it. The happiness was gone. It was purely a momentary, superficial happiness. And at that time, for me, not being a disciple of Jesus, it meant I had forfeited my soul and eternal life. You see, this is the point of this passage. That's what is at stake with discipleship. Why chase the things of this world? Why live by my will be done? Look at what it's going to cost you. And just to make sure we really understand the point, Jesus finishes by saying this, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Collins English Dictionary explains to be ashamed of someone as feeling embarrassed to be connected with someone. It's a great definition of what it means. This also points to the fact that it means we're separated from someone. So in this case, this is Jesus' way of saying, those who are not following me, and for those who live out their life separated from him, ashamed of him. Then when he comes again, as the text says, when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels, then he too, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of those people. He will be separated from those people as they are him. So I imagine some of you here today and maybe uh, watching online are probably thinking, whoa, this is a pretty tough message. This sounds pretty harsh. Did Jesus really say this? Is this what he meant? Or you can look at it another way. And that is this. Instead of thinking, whoa, you can be thinking, wow, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. If I accept this invitation from Jesus, if I deny myself, live with Jesus as the center of my life, if I take up my cross daily and follow him, not only do we enter into a beautiful relationship with him where we receive his love, his mercy, his grace, but we also know that the Son of Man will not be ashamed of us when he returns. He will not be separated from us. And as it says in the corresponding passage in the Gospel of Matthew, 
Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before people, I will also acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven. And that, my brothers and sisters here today, I think that that is an acknowledgement that I'm sure we all want to receive. So, I want to give people an opportunity right now to accept Jesus' invitation to follow him. So, if you've never done this and you're ready to say yes to Jesus today, if you say, David, I'm ready to accept this invitation, turn from my sin and surrender my life to Christ, here's what your next step is. I want to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And if you want to give your life to Jesus today, I just want you to simply raise your hand, okay? And everyone's head is bowed and eyes closed. So you don't need to be shy, okay? You can put your hand up. And then I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And after the prayer, one of our ushers will be near you to get your name so that, we so that we can continue talking with you afterwards, okay? So don't be surprised if you put your hand up. When we finish the prayer, there's somebody stood close to you. They're just there doing what I've asked them to do. And for the rest of you, my brothers and sisters, please pray for those here who are giving their life to Christ today. So if you haven't, please bow your heads, close your eyes, and raise your hand if you want to accept this invitation from Jesus. And then you can just repeat this prayer with me, okay? I'm just going to take a minute here, all right? I'm just going to give a minute to give people a chance to think about this, to decide that, yes, you know what? I want to accept this invitation to be a disciple of Jesus. I want Jesus Christ to be the center of my life. And if as I'm praying this prayer, if you feel the movement in your heart to put your hand up halfway through, that's great. Just put your hand up whenever you feel it, okay? So those of you with your hands raised, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, thank you, everyone, for praying for the people with their who put their hands up. Uh, thank you for the people who raised their hands. Uh, 
Congratulations for accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. See this smile? That's what it gives you. <laughs> That's what it gives you. So um, before I finish today, I just want to remind you guys that if you want to give an offering, uh, there are offering boxes in here. There's some in the lobby. Um, you've got envelopes on your chair. You can use those if you want to give cash, uh, or you can use one of the EDC machines in, in the lobby or on the boxes. Um, we also want to give you a special opportunity this morning. I just want to talk about NTT very briefly. Uh, as a community, we really want to help those who've recently been affected by the recent natural disasters there in NTT. So if you'd be interested in giving financially to this outreach, for those of you watching online, you can make a bank transfer to the account that's on the screen. And for those of you here, again, you can give for NTT, for the outreach for there, uh, by visiting the info desk in the lobby where there are people waiting to assist you to do that, okay? Just please make sure that any donations you give for NTT, you mark them help NTT, okay? Now, there's a account number on the screens here, and as you'll see, that is actually our Yaya-san account number. That is where the donations will, will go to, and the outreach program, the help that we provide, will go through our, our Yaya-san, okay? So again, if you want to give for that, just see people in the lobby at the info desk and they will and they will help you take care of that. All right. So okay. Um can I make a request? <laughs> um can we hear a bit of Christ is enough for me again? Uh when I was born again, this song, I was so happy these guys put, were, were were singing it today. Uh, the song that we sang earlier, Christ is Enough for Me. Uh, <laughs> my wife, if you're watching online, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, I spent like three months driving my wife crazy because this was the only song I sang. <laughs> because after raising my hand and accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior, I realized Christ is enough. Everything I need is in Christ. All I need is in Christ. <laughs>